Hello, and welcome to 8,000 Promises, a podcast dedicated to conversations about living into God's promises for your life, even when the story of your past might make those promises hard to trust. I'm your host, A.D. Tilford. Together, let's explore how to step into, embrace, and believe God's promises for our lives. I'll be interviewing guests who show us real-life examples of how to get there and stay there. Our guest today is Michelle McManus. Michelle is the founder of Baby Be Brave and host of Brave Souls, an Instagram live series. She is an international adoptee turned adoptee advocate and online influencer for the Adoption Triad. A little over a year ago, Michelle didn't think she'd ever be leading a public advocacy movement, and yet her online presence showcases the power of her healing journey. Her life speaks to the truth that we can do beautiful things even when we have hard histories. In our interview, Michelle shares how in the midst of the pain from the traumas in her adoption story, she decided to live. She also decided to create. She says, when I started Baby Be Brave, I met a whole community of other adoptees, which I never knew existed. The love and support they provide me not only makes me feel like I belong, but it has inspired me to know my purpose in life. Join us today to listen in as Michelle shares her profound wisdom and growth and how she is impacting all of us involved in the adoption triad. Thanks for being here. Well, hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm really, really excited to have you on a guest um, for 8,000 Promises. Um, you've just been... I'm excited to be here. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Took us a little while to make it all come together, but we're here doing it. But it comes together. It's perfect. Perfect yes. day for it. And I really trust in the perfect timing of it, that Absolutely. when this airs and people hear it, it's going to be just that right person who needed to hear your story who's going to be listening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really trust that. Well, um, when we were chatting and talking about getting together and having you come on 8,000 promises, we were talking a little bit about how important it is for an adoptee to share their story as part of Mm -hmm. the work that comes out of their adoption history. Would you start us off by just telling us about your story? Okay, sure. So um, yes, my name is Michelle. I am a international adoptee. I was born in Romania in 1988. Um, I was then put into an orphanage 20 days after I was born for about two years until I was adopted into uh, an American family. Um, I found out at eight years old that I was adopted. My adoptive father told me. And you know, those, you know, two words changed my life forever. Um, you know, a lot of questions, a lot of concerns, just a lot of feelings towards myself. Like, why didn't my mother want me? Did she not love me? Was I not good enough? You know, all those things that adoptees go to. Um, you know, I struggled a little bit, well, a lot, but when I was younger and, you know, you don't really understand too much when you're younger. So you just kind of, you're just kind of in that confusion stage, um, High school was probably when it started to get really bad for me. Um, I got more curious and it really needed answers. So I decided to go searching for my birth mother. Um, 
you know, legally you have to be 18, but I did my own little behind the scenes search on my own of what I could do. Um, it took me a long time. I finally got, finally got in touch with a private investigator in Romania about mm -hmm. five years later. And he found my family within three weeks. So um, yeah, I found my birth mother at 23, 23 years old, about 10 years ago. So um, at the time, I thought it was gonna be a, you know, welcome open arm union. I, I even taught myself, I was teaching myself Romanian. I was learning about the culture because I thought that when I meet her or I can find her, I can talk to her a little bit in Romanian and she'll be so proud. And, um, but the happy reunion I had in my mind turned out to be a rejection from her. Um, so I thought at the time, um, I took that very hard. I also at the time found out I am the product of rape. Um, which is sadly ironic because about a year or so I had it before then I was sexually assaulted myself. So it brought a lot of memories, painful memories, you know, back from me and also towards her, uh, my birth mother. Um, I have a younger half brother and a younger half sister. She got married. So we have different fathers and yeah, those two years were tough, but, um, I recently discovered a letter from my birth mother that she had written to me 10 years ago, and it was a response to my letter, but I never had it. I never um, knew I had it. Um, that's a really long story that um, it just kind of, you talk about timing. We were talking about timing. Yeah. I was actually in the process of learning to let her go because it was just, it was affecting my mental health and I just needed to be at peace. I needed to, you know, accept that she didn't want it to be a part of my life, but literally I had a letter to send to her to let her go. And right at the time before I sent that letter, I ended up finding her letter from 10 years ago. So I knew it was God telling me like, no, don't give up yet. So um, I am happily new into reunion with my birth mother. Um, it's an adjustment. It does bring on a lot of emotions for me. It's still very scary because I don't know how it's going to go, um, where it's going to lead to. And I, you know, I just hope that we can continue this beautiful bond and, you know, I just, I pray that it goes the way I always wanted it to go. So yeah, that's a long story short. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. And so like so much complexity within that story yeah um thank you for sharing your story with us um when you when you talk about even from that initial um discovery and being eight years old and you think about an eight-year-old developmentally where they're really um, still very concrete and um and just discovering that there was this whole other story you hadn't heard and moving through that into um, having to face, it sounds like some really deep rejection um, and some really challenging pieces. Like when you think about all of those pieces, what are some learnings that stand out to you? You know, now as an adult reflecting and you were just a little kid all the way through your teenage years into this adulthood journey that's led to re reunion. What are some of the big learnings that you've gained? Oh my 
Gosh, there's a lot. Um, but I would, you know, let me start with one. Rejection isn't always personal. Mm. You know, I've had to learn that because, you know, I was rejected by my birth mother at such a young age that wasn't my fault. No. You know, I was rejected by her when I went searching. Turned out to be not true. Um, and again, not my fault. Um, you know, sometimes people in life are not ready, you know, on their end, even though we are. And, you know, we, that's why we have to not take it so personally. It's thanks. I'm not saying don't be sad about it, dismiss it, but, um, but know that people are in their different journeys. Mm -hmm. um, what else I've learned to also be more present. You know, I have, I, for so many years, I was a perfectionist and I still can be at times, but I was a perfectionist in the wrong way. I just focused so much on everything just being perfect and the beautiful version I have, you know, the fairy tale ending that it's, you know, things are not perfect. People are not perfect. That I have to stop dwelling on the past. I'm not saying forget it, but I have to stop. It is what it is. And I can't also focus too much on the future. I could have hopes. I can mm -hmm. pray that things go well, but it's at the same time, um, the more I'm present, the more I find things are to my benefit because yes. I'm actually like taking time to focus on what's actually happening. Um, what else have I learned? Another thing I've learned that no matter your story, no matter where you came from, or the version that you are told as an adoptee, your story is constantly unfolding. Every time I accept a part of my past or a part of what happened, the narrative changes. And you know, every time I like, every time I'm, I get on board of like, okay, it, it takes me a long time to get on board with something, and then once I do, it's like I find out more stuff or different um, versions of it. And it's like, okay, now I have to like basically train my mind again to forget what I learned in the past. And now this is new information and I have to roll with that. So um, I just, I have to just accept for now on because I keep finding out more and more every day, new things about my adoption. Like I just found out recently um, that I was pulled out of the orphanage right during my adoption process and I was living with two women in an apartment for a few months. Yeah. And I didn't know that for, you know, 30 something years. So that's what I mean. Like I, I literally keep finding out new things every day. So that's why when I say your story is constantly unfolding, your narrative is never the ending. <laughs> that's never. Um, yeah, I think that's, Those, that's what I have to so mean. Far. Yeah, and to say like, okay, you're 30. 33, you said yes. you're, you're in like this promising age of life that we get to be in our thirties mm -hmm. and you have this incredible wisdom at your disposal, right? Like to be able to understand that rejection isn't personal is something so many people struggle with. And it sounded like you were saying like, I get it now that, um, someone else's response is not usually about me when it's especially around rejection, but it's usually about their capacity and their ability, um, which is such a, a big deal. And 
Um, you've been really incredible in sharing about that uh, on this Thank platform you. that you're creating. And I, I remember reading the, one of your posts where you were talking about this shift, this flexible mindset you're having to experience, which kind of, which kind of seems like it's tying into that present piece because it's like, this is what is now, I'm accepting what is now. And I remember reading that and looking at the comments from other adoptees and this understanding of like, when you don't know all of the pieces of your story and you're continuing to learn that in adulthood, like that takes in a, a significant amount of capacity for you as well. Yes. And so um, you're really modeling and leading in this beautiful way that those emotions that come with that are really hard. Like it is, it is not easy and it shouldn't be expected to be easy. And like, no, like that message, like no big deal to someone who doesn't know their story is a really painful and harmful message, right? So if there are other adoptive parents listening right now and thinking about how they can present, like I'm even thinking about the parts of um, my children's stories that I might know that I know I'm going to share with them at developmentally appropriate places. But like, maybe I don't know, because there are parts I don't know. They're not my perspective. It's not my story. You know, how can I best help my children or how can a parent help their child? Uh, with... My biggest advice, and I, you know, a lot of adoptees have the same advice that I'm about to say is just be honest with your children. Always, yeah. you know, tell them at an early age, you know, I, I, I personally feel like that there's never really a right time to find out about your story. There's never a right time because it, no matter what age you are, it's going to affect you. And people think that, you know, the younger a kid is, you know, they won't get it. They're too young. If they learn from a young age that it's okay. Mm -hmm. that we're not trying to hide it from you. We're not trying to sugarcoat it. Um, you know, I, I just, I just tell them at a young age and be honest, you know, even if it's something that you feel like would hurt them, it's better they find out then than later down the road because it mm -hmm. does more damage the older they get. Um, me finding out, you know, I'm the product of rape that, um, that affected me harder because I found out um, how, when I was, 23. Mm. So I had to live with that at an older age. And, mm. you know, it's, I'm not saying maybe I should know that at four, but I'm just saying it's just the longer you wait to find stuff out, the more damage it does to an adoptee. So honesty yeah. and communication are two biggest things at, for an adoptive parent. Yeah. And it, I, it probably, you know, it just in thinking about any of those hard pieces that maybe children don't, especially that children don't have language for because they happen mm -hmm. in those stages of life where kids don't have language. Um, it makes a lot of sense that we'd want them to have all those pieces before identity development starts. And I know there's a social worker who really encourages by age 12, your child should know every part of their story because mm -hmm. um, it is their story and they already know it. Um, whether that's just at the somatic body level, but they already know it. Um, and so that's been um, definitely something we've thought about. And it, it's really nice to hear you talking about just that piece of like how important it would have been for you to like have that information. Yeah. 
Exactly. And I do have another piece of advice for any adoptive parent um, adopting in internationally. Internationally brings a lot of complexities, even more complexities on top of the adoption process. Um, again, I'm international. So when you are when you are basically stripped of your identity, stripped of your culture and your language, mm. that could be really hard on an adoptee growing, growing up. You know, when I was younger, I didn't know better, but I was just kind of like, I, you know, I was formed into the Italian culture that of like my adoptive family, the Irish culture. So that's all I knew. Mm. But now, you know, again, in my thirties, I'm relearning my culture. I'm relearning my language and it's so beautiful. I'm so excited to do that. But at the same time, it breaks my heart that I lost that for so many years because I came here when I was two and I remember yelling in Romanian when I came with my adoptive parents I was running around yelling in Romanian my parents didn't know what the heck I was saying but I literally because I was so young I lost all of that and English yes. you know was, was my primary language so if you're going to adopt internationally honor their culture honor mm -hmm. keep that a part of them you know watch movies watch documentaries on it learn to like recipes cook together let them allow them to speak the language you know learn about your child's identity and culture not just you know i don't want to say force in a bad way but like force them to like learn yours learn theirs as well you know you can have more than one culture you're a part of yeah, and that just sounds so important to lift up that it is the parent's job to make sure that that is happening. Like we, it shouldn't be about waiting until our children ask for mm -hmm. their culture or for their language or for some understanding of their history. It is the parent's job to provide that because the parents are the people, are the adults who are part of the decision-making to take someone out of a culture and into a new culture. Exactly. Yeah. And I, that sometimes I think it's lost. Like um, I've heard so many stories about, well, my child didn't ask or yeah. my child never said anything. Um, but really it is our job to talk about it um, as the adopter. Yeah. And they shouldn't have to ask. We shouldn't no. have to ask, yep. you know? They shouldn't. You're right. So hopefully someone will hear that and be like, okay, all right. It's my, that's part of my role. I get to yeah. celebrate the beauty of my child's first family, the beauty of my child's first culture. Uh, yeah. And you know, being a parent is hard enough, right? I, I'm not a parent, but I just know out of, you know, a lot of parents being a parent is hard, yeah. but then you add on the adoption on top of that, you know, that brings on even more hardships. But that doesn't mean, you know, when you adopt a child, you have to adopt every part of them. Absolutely. And if they're not, a, we're not a blank slate, you know, we, we're not just, you know, you know, you take home a child and then that's it. You tell them they're adopted and then that's it, that your job is done. Your job is never done as an adoptive parent. Um, oh my goodness, Michelle, just, you have, it's so much wisdom. I, it's so wonderful. I, I wanted to um, shift now to let you share a little bit about the um, advocacy you're doing in the adoption community and um, the this or, organization or group that you've started with Baby Be Brave. Um, and so 
yeah, can you just share, because this season of 8,000 Promises is really about like how we take what we've learned and how we're living into that and like how we launch something into the world. And so you've launched this community into the world. Um, will you tell the listeners a little bit about the community and yeah, how you got there to this idea? So I'll start with how I got there because um, it will lead into the community. Um, so about, it was actually right during the pandemic, I think 2019 yeah, is when yeah, it started. Um, I was going through a really hard time um, just with my mental health and that same year, I, you know, I was in, this, in the middle of searching for my birth father. Um, I knew where he was. I had a picture of him. Um, I had everything in place with my private investigator. I just had to give the go ahead. And I decided to not go through with it because I really beat myself up over it. The fact mm -hmm. that he is not a good person, what he did to my mother, you know, affected me so much. It affected me in triggers in my own story what happened to me triggers for her um you know and then it made me question myself as a person because i used then i questioned myself what kind of person am i if i'm 50 percent of that dna um obviously that's not true but that is the thoughts i have in my head as the product of rape you question yourself as a person um and i just thought finding him would give me some kind of closure um but my closure you know i've said this before but my closure was never about my family. My closure was about me personally. Um, but yeah, I struggled that year and just with also the rejection, still the rejection of my birth mother. I never let that go. Um, that I almost took my life. Um, but instead, I literally was laying there and I was like, I, I cannot be the only one feeling this horrible, you know, feeling so alone. Um, that I decided to create Baby Be Brave. And it's funny because originally when I created the platform, it was not for adoption. It was just a platform of like, of just giving people a place to come and for friendship, for support, just know that they're not alone and we're just in this together. And, um, and then with November hit that month, that year, National Adoption Awareness Month, I decided to host an IGT, I, GTV live series uh, called Brave Souls to share adoption stories, to help bring awareness. And at the end of the month, I was like, why should I stop? You know, I should bring awareness every day. So now I'm four seasons later, um, sharing stories, uh, voices of adoptees. And I've actually recently added adoptive parents more, you were my yes. recent guest, and birth parents to hear the whole perspectives of the triad. Um, but yeah, as I started doing the live series, I started meeting adoptees and I literally found, I found my, my safe place. I found a place to come to where people get me. They understand, they don't question why I feel a certain way or put me down or gaslight me on that. I shouldn't, you know, I was just a baby. I shouldn't have any trauma. I shouldn't remember or you have to let it go or, you know, it's just, you find friendships, you find community, you find support. And I, Baby Be Brave saved my life. And I really truly did because without the other, the help of the adoptee community, I would not be sitting here right now talking to you. I would have given up. And that is why I love, 
I love this community so much and I wanted to create a platform for people to come and have a safe space to, to say whatever they wanna say without feeling judged. I started um, a support group, an adoptee support group uh, every month. Again, a safe space for people to come to, judgment-free zone to just literally talk about whatever they want because there are some things that I even share in there that I can't share on my platform because it's just, um, you know, I love my adoptive family. I love every, everyone. They are a blessing to me, but it's sometimes hard to share stuff with, and I don't want anyone to take things personally, because again, it goes back to the whole not taking things personally. It's not about you. So um, that is where I find a safe space to go to with my support group for myself as well. Um, but I am in the process of uh, building Baby Be Brave into an organization, a business, nonprofit. And yeah. I want to um, actually bring the whole triad together, the adoptees, adoptive parents, and the birth parents. Because to me, I feel like we are all, we should be all one. We should all be together and listen to each other. Yes. Not where we have adoptees and adoptive parents on one side, or it should not be about sides. Mm. Unfortunately, it is sometimes. And sometimes yeah, it's right. not, it depends on the person. It depends on the situation, but it shouldn't have to be that way. So I'm really trying as hard as I can. I'm, I'm making it my life's mission, honestly, to just bring people together and listen listen to each other, even people who are not adopted. I want people to come together and just listen to us. You know, we're not, my thing is I don't, I don't come on and trash talk anybody. I don't want to put any of the triad down. I mm -hmm. just want people to listen, to understand yes. that just because you don't understand doesn't mean that it's not an issue, mm -hmm. you know, or you look at it as a blessing. Yes. It's a blessing, but it's also very heartbreaking at the same time. So I just want people to be educated on adoption. And that is why I am, um, every day I'm building this community to bring more adoptees in um, and more adoptive parents, more birth parents, just bring everyone in just to listen to each other, read each other's posts, not just dismiss them or judge them on a post because you do not know their journey. You mm. do not know the struggle, you know, just because you may have adopted and your child, you think that your child is okay, or that never happened in your situation doesn't mean it didn't happen in someone else's home, yeah. you know, and I always say like every adoptee has a different journey. We have a different trauma. We have a different upbringing and we have a different healing journey. So mm. we have to respect each person, you know, as an adoptee, I personally do not always relate to other adoptees, but I have to respect and honor them because that is their story. That is what they've been through. So I cannot sit there and tell them that they're wrong or we, that's not, we, you shouldn't say that because it's not my story. It's not my, my journey. You really, you're focused on it being unique is really important. And I also love that you talk often about gaslighting. That was a term I learned later um, but you know, as a survivor of sexual abuse, like that also for me was, I just always felt crazy. Cause like my reality didn't match things being told. Right. And so mm -hmm. understanding what gaslighting was, was this huge shift and understanding even that I could be someone who gaslit 
other people. Yeah. Like, and you know like, what? I was oh. also going to share, not only do people gaslight you, we gaslight ourselves. Yes. And I do that. Yes. I used to do it a lot. I sometimes still do. And I need to stop doing that. We all need to. Um, because, you know, there's one thing people always, people always tell me I'm a very, I'm too sensitive. Mm. No, no, I'm just very sensitive. (laughs) I hate when people tell other people that they're too sensitive. Oh yeah. You know, my, my response, you know, I remember someone telling me that I was too sensitive and I replied back to them. I said, am I too sensitive or are you not too sensitive enough? What a question. <laughs> and sen- sensitivity is a superpower. It because is. My sensitivity allows me to be an empath. It allows me to have compassion for others and myself. So being sensitive is a good thing. Absolutely. And I want people to know that, that if someone hurts your feelings, do not reevaluate what they said to make it better or make it not um, as bad. If yes. someone hurt you, they hurt you feel on that. You're allowed to be, you know, upset about it. You know, you can, you have the power to change how you want to respond and how you want it to affect you, but it's okay to feel like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that person said that. That's not right. Yeah. So, um, I love being sensitive because it's who I am. I am the sensitivity right here. Yes. So I'm okay with that. Well, Um, and and you're right. It is a superpower that allows you to think of um, the need for a space where people can mm-hmm. feel safe. I, that You said that several times that Baby Be Brave is this community where you feel safe and where other people feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it, we know is one of the healing tenets for trauma, right? That we have to create safe spaces and sometimes we're the ones creating those safe spaces for ourselves. And, and so that's a beautiful thing. What are some other, um, in your healing journey, what are some other practices? Like you created this beautiful community of friends. What are some other practices you've learned and thought about that are really helpful for you as you're healing and moving into the beauty of creation? Yeah. Uh, so it's funny because my very first adoptee friend I met Um, she uses the phrase adopt yourself Hmm. and I never really knew what that meant when she said it until I actually started doing it and adopt yourself isn't I guess what you automatically assume when you adopt to me personally what I use that term for is um, taking myself in me personally loving myself unconditionally making time for myself setting boundaries. Um, you know, sometimes I try and meditate. I don't do very well at that. I always say I'm going to do it, but I don't do it. But what I've learned is the more, and just the more I'm honest, the more I share how I'm feeling, the better I feel about myself. I had so much low self-esteem. I had no love for myself. I had no acceptance for myself that I also put myself down on top of everything that happened. I just completely, I'm sorry to say, I hated myself. And it's a horrible feeling to not, you know, just not feel good about yourself, feel good in your body. That I have really learned to 
um, all about self-love. And it's be again, it's because of the community and the friendships I've made the past couple of years that has really taught me to accept more, to love myself more. They've given me the confidence. I was literally the person in the back in the classroom putting the book over their face because I do not like this. Mm. I don't like the center of attention. I don't like being called on. I don't like speaking in public. But so ask me two years ago if I would be doing my IGT live series and yeah. doing Zooms and doing all of this. I'd be like, no, <laughs> like, no, no, no. I would start sweating. But the fact that I have gotten more confident to do this makes me love myself even more. You just can't just automatically love yourself. You have to do stuff to make yourself love yourself. Mm. You know, I've learned to, I learned to date myself, you know, mm. and enjoy my own company. Not, yes. I used to be always have to be out with people to be validated, to feel loved. But now I'm doing that on my own. There's many nights I sit by myself and I love it because I'm finally taking time for myself I'm relearning or I'm actually learning new things about myself that I never had time for because I put all my energy into other people or into my pain ah. that I never really sat with the beauty and everything and I'm using my adoption as a strength yeah. I used to look at it always as a weakness not anymore it's my strength and that is why you know we use for the term turning your pain into purpose Mm -hmm. And that is why I, again, I want every adoptee to come on new generation adoptees coming on Instagram and to show the hope. I want to show the hope that there is light at the end of the tunnel. You just have to work hard. I'm not saying it, it happens overnight. It's not easy. Yeah. I still have hard days. I still wake up feeling just exhausted, but it's a different kind of exhaustion. My exhaustion now goes into my healing. Before I would be exhausted from just feeling so sad and alone. Now I'm exhausted from healing, but it's a good thing. <laughs> I understand it's a really that too. good yeah. thing. It takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of uh, devotion to yourself to to do this healing. Because you know, as cliche as it sounds, healing is a lifelong journey. And once you enter your healing journey, you're in it for life, and that's that's a great thing. That's an amazing thing. Um, but, you know, on my hard days, I let myself feel however I need to feel. I honor myself on those days. On my good days, I celebrate myself yes. for having a good day. So um, it's just, you know, bottom line, no one is alone. There is a place for you. You belong in this world. I'm not saying that anything that has happened to you shouldn't have happened. But... I don't, I don't like the saying everything happens for a reason because sometimes it's like that shouldn't have happened, yep. but it's what, it, <laughs> what you do from that, yeah. that matters. How are you going to change it? How are you going to change going forward? How are you going to change yourself? How are you going to support others through it and uplift them through it? How are you going to give hope? So that is my biggest, biggest message to everyone, whether you're adopted or not, we all go through the same stuff we go we do have a lot of similar traumas and we just have to love and respect each other through it well and that piece that that beautiful promise that 
I agree. I can't, I can't get on board with like everything happens for a reason. I, that's been a big wrestling for me in my faith, in my, in my conversations, uh, all of that. But that piece that you're lifting up is that anything can be turned and used for good. Mm -hmm. So because there is evil and there is brokenness in this world, like it's good, there's going to be stuff that happens that I think we could all argue should not ever happen. Um, and yet it continues to happen. And so how do we create hope? How do we, um, use that sensitivity that it develops in us, mm -hmm. um, and allow ourselves to be vulnerable instead of like walled off in order to welcome. I love that. Like, I, I want to welcome in the next generation and, and just embrace, because, you know, those are my babies that are going to have somebody to look up to. Um, and that, is really important. Uh, I'm going to cry again. No, it's okay. All because this, I, would literally, <laughs> I would love one day when your daughters come onto my platform or other adoptee platforms and not feel it, you know, that they're not the only one out there. Or if they, you know, for a long time, I felt alone. You know, I, I know I have a whole I grew up in an Italian family, so there's a ton of us. We're an army. So I know I was never really alone, but I was alone in my thoughts. Yeah. I was alone in my head. Yeah. But I want people to not, I felt like I was living a double life. Mm. And I just, you know, I want to live one life where everyone, where I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be true to myself, and I want everyone to hear that. And when I express, you know, my trauma and my pain, that doesn't mean I'm putting anybody down during the process. Right. It just means that I'm finally sharing what I went through because nobody wants to hear that their loved one was struggling. So if you can find out how someone is struggling, you can find out what ways you can support them. Oh, yeah. And I think that has been one of the biggest triggers for me as a parent is like, I don't want my kids to struggle. I don't want them to hurt. And that has been one of the biggest acceptance pieces. You know, one of my, I was trying to control always for myself, protection, protection, protection. And then that shifted. And so it's been this learning journey of like, well, I actually, they're going to struggle and they're going to have this pain. And so how do I learn to sit with them and let them know they're not alone? Because mm -hmm. That's what I wish I would have had differently as a young child that I, that I also felt very alone, even though my traumas are different. So much of what you say resonates with those same feelings, the self-loathing and this idea that my greatest hope is that everyone would feel how loved they are because it's a changed life when you love yourself and and that's, that's such a great hope. And it's so beautiful to hear you speak about that shift for you. What is a promise you hold on to for yourself? Um, my promise to myself is, is to basically continue showing up for myself, hmm. to continue to love myself, honor myself, celebrate myself, um, continue to hold boundaries for other people and boundaries for myself. Um, you know, just, just know that I, I'm not alone, mm -hmm. that I have a whole support group. I have a whole bunch of people that I can reach out to and that will, you know, uplift me, yeah. um, to just encourage me. And I just, honestly, it's something I need to start doing more, but 
sometimes in the morning I will wake up and I will tell myself like I am happy we're here mm. I will look in a mirror and say that because of what I struggle with that I just I need to do more of that and it's something I'm going to make a vow to myself going forward a promise to myself yes. that I am going to tell myself more that I am not a failure even though I failed, I am not a failure. Yeah. You know, I, I'm happy I'm here to continue just um, just honoring every part of me, the good, bad, and ugly. I love that. Like, just so glad that you're here. I am so glad that you're here with me today. Thank you so much for being mm-hmm. here, for being so vulnerable and talking about some really hard realities and some really beautiful promises that are coming into fruition. You guys, if you please make sure you go follow Michelle um, at Baby Be Brave. All of the links will be available to you in the show notes. Um, But she is a beautiful person to follow, always inspiring and really informational, especially, man, if if you're an adoptive parent, listen to what she is lifting into the world. It's so important for us to continue to hear the voices that represent where our children um, are sitting in their spaces, you know? So let's, let's keep doing that for each other. Thank you so much for coming, Michelle. Thank you for having me.